This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. How many know that to have the best year ever, you're going to have to do some things different than last year? You can't just do things the same old, same old and expect different results. So we're, we started a series called Overcoming Temptations. And this is one of the most critical things that we have to get hold of if you want to move forward in your Christian life. And God wants us to move forward. He wants us to make progress. We know He wants us to have that abundant life. But we, we must... Be a person that overcomes, doesn't yield to two temptations. Because you'll never get past that place of those temptations you're yielding to. If you want to make progress, you have to defeat those where God can take you to where he wants to take you. If he gave you the, the vision, if that thing came to pass, what you're believing God for, and you don't have the character to embrace it and hold it, that thing can blow up. And we've seen people... They have been uh, in public ministers and stuff. They've blown up. And it was lack of character. And they or, or thought they were above needing accountability or needing someone uh, in their life. So we, we don't want to be like that. We want to be those that have good character. We saw that, that character is important to God, that you're trustworthy, you have good morals, that you're uh, respected, even those outside of the faith that you're, you're looked upon as a person of integrity that keeps their word. Um, you're not a, a stumbling block. And in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, it says, The servant of the Lord does, is, uh, is not to quarrel, gentle, kind to all, ability to teach, patient. You know, what's, if we were to look at your life, would we say you're, you're kind to all, you're, you're gentle to all, you're you're patient, you know, that, that hits most of us. You know, are we patient with even those who are difficult? When you study that out uh, in the original, it actually talks about with difficult people, are you patient? <laughs> we know you're patient with those that aren't difficult. How about the difficult people? So these are character issues that God wants to work and mold and shape in our lives that we can embrace what he has for us. Because he wants us to be people of influence, to have the impact on our world, those people around us. But if you're yielding to temptation, your witness diminishes. It, you don't have a witness in many, many cases. You find out that um, your confidence in God's not there. You, you don't have um, that love for him like you should. Now, he still loves you, but you move away from uh, loving him. So we don't want to be those that yield to temptation. We want to be people of good character. Overcoming temptation is essential to develop good character. And we talked about uh, last week, you know, if you're um, single and you are dating someone or looking for a spouse, it should be someone of good character. Because good character can keep the marriage, can embrace that vision of marriage and cause it to grow and be developed, and be even more. So we need to be people of good character. Uh, next in your notes there, it says, good character is essential for God's vision to come to pass in your life. 
And we don't talk about it a whole lot. We just say, well, grace will cover it. And, and actually, that's kind of not true. Mercy will cover it. And, uh, you know, mercy is, is great. We all need mercy at times. But you know what? I'd rather have grace. Grace is his ability empowering me to follow him and do what he's called me to do. Mercy is when I've blown it. It has more to do with forgiveness. And, you know, uh, I lay down in all, the sun all day and I cooked. God, mercy, mercy on me. <laughs> Grace is get suntan lotion. <laughs> anyway. We need grace. Mercy, we all need mercy at times, but I'd rather be looking for the grace than the mercy. A pastor friend of mine, Danny uh, Chambers, shared with me a dream that he had, and it had a great impact on his life. He saw Jesus in, in this dream. He had this huge barrel, of, and the barrel said, Harvest and Blessing. And he was so excited. Uh, he looked up to the Lord and said, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready, you know, pour it on me. And the Lord wasn't smiling. And uh, the Lord seemed to look down. He looked down. And there was this little bee bucket. He had in between his, his feet there. This little bee bucket. And on it said harvest and blessings. And he realized he was not in a position to hold what God wanted to give him. He was not uh, developed. He was not in a place that he could hold what God wanted to, to give him, what God already had for him. And, and many times that area for us is, is character, being able to, to receive what he has. Some people, if they received it, they would get the big head. You ever seen any big heads? They're full of pride, you know. I mean, no, that's no good. <laughs> We're to be people of humility. Um, or it, it could be that the character's not there to sustain that, that vision, that purpose, and the whole thing blows up, and what happened? People get hurt. Real close friends of Ella and I, um, I'll just say the name, he was a, a big Jimmy Swaggered, um, loved his ministry and everything, and his other one was a PTL. He loved both those ministries. Well, I mean, though, they both blew up. And you know what his faith did? It blew up. It blew up. He, he actually turned from God. Now, was that an immaturity on his part? Yes. But that's just the facts. It influences people, and you influence people. And we want to be the strongest impact for Christ that we can be. So we need to... Uh, work and develop a character in our lives. In James chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Let no man say when he is tested, I'm tested by God, for it's not possible for God to be tested by evil, and he himself puts no man to such a test. But every man is tested when he is turned out of the, way, out of the right way by the attraction of his desire, then when its time comes, desire gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full, uh, is a full growth, gives birth to death. I want you to see here, God is not the one testing you or tempting you. He doesn't entice you. He's not the one tempting you with evil or wrong. 
He's not, he's not into that. That's not him. But how many times, I couldn't count the times I've had people tell me, well, God's testing me, or God's tempting me with this. He's trying to teach me something, so he's putting me through this test. When the Bible says, don't even say that. Because he's not. He's not doing it. And we need to know which side is which. Who's doing things? It helps our faith. It helps us believe and have confidence in him. Now, I've said many times that life is a test in this, that if you're, if you're not believing God, all that's left is problems. Think about it. Life is a test. Will I do what the Word says? Will I do what God says? Or will I do what the world says or the enemy says? So life, in, the, in a sense, is a test. What will we do? What decision? The Bible says life and death is in the earth. We have a choice. Blessing and cursing. We have a choice. Now, when you make that, that choice... I want the blessing, I want life, God still doesn't expect you to live that out in your own strength. He doesn't expect you to overcome a temptation in your own strength. He never expected that. All he wants is your will. All he wants is your decision that I'm going this way, I'm against this, it's wrong, I'm looking to you, I'm turning to you where the grace can come. Grace comes to those who are humble. What is humility? Humility is laying down my opinions, my rights, and taking up God's opinion, his will. What he says is right. That's really humility. It's saying, God, you're number one. I'm looking to you. So we need to know that the test, these trials and these temptations are from the enemy. He's the tempter. The Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He is ruthless. He's cruel. He's a tormentor. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He's not fair. He's unfair. He will kick you when you're down and out. That's the way he operates. And we need to be wise and know his devices. It says we're not to be ignorant. Those devices mean mind games. He plays mind games with us. He, he's a con artist. He's a master manipulator. And he speaks to us and says, you know, the word's not true in my case. Or it's not working. Or I need to do things this way. And those temptations that Jesus went through, those three temptations that we talked about last week, represent all the temptations that mankind will face. And he, he defeated the enemy in those. But there was attack against him, really, to get desires outside of God's principles to do things our way or the world's way and get it instead of getting it God's way. And all of us have been tested. All of us have failed the test. Anybody ever here failed and yielded to the temptation? I did. I'm, I'm not proud of it. One time uh, I did it so big. <laughs> I... Ellen and I were buying our first house, and I wanted this house. I wanted it too much, I guess. I wanted this house. It was a desire. And uh, apartment living had, was gone as far as I was concerned. I was tired of 
living with all the neighbors and walls so thin that, you know, you ask your wife a question, they answer next door. <laughs> That's how thin it was. Which after a while kind of creeps you out. <laughs> but anyway, I went to the bank. We had a lady in the church who was a Christian. She's a real estate agent. She was helping us find this house. And uh, I didn't have the money for the house, or, or I didn't have the money for the down payment. I could make the payments, but I didn't have a down payment. And so I went to my grandfather, and I asked him if I could borrow the money for the down payment. He said I could, and uh, I, I paid every penny back. I knew I would because he was raised in the Depression, and, I mean, a penny was a penny. I mean, everything... <laughs> mattered, and um, so the real estate agent, she told me, said, there's no way they'll ask you where that down payment came from, so I felt really good, I was ready, going to the bank, and uh, she, she took me in because it was a, a bank that uh, she knew the person, they were going to help me, and, and she sat outside the room where I met with them, and this lady interviewed and asked all the questions, got all the information, and I'm about ready to leave, think this thing is over, and she asked a question. She said, oh, by the way, did you borrow any money for this down payment? And out of my mouth came, no. It's a good Christian would. And I know I looked as soon as I left the office, I, I must have looked just gray, <laughs> the life was gone. So I felt like somebody hit me with a baseball bat in the head. I was just dizzy. Uh, and, and she must have saw it because she said, now, Bob, you, you know you're going to make the payments. You know, it's, it's going to be okay, you know. And I just hardly responded to her and said, that doesn't matter. Got in the car. I, I, I don't remember even how I got home. I, I was home. Uh, Ellen's got food ready. This is when you know a man is messed up. No food. Not hungry. I mean, I, I'm in bad place. Stayed up, you know, the night, tossing and turning. Knew what I had to do. I called, and I called, and the bank finally opened and asked for this lady got her. I said, look. You know, I said my name. She said, yes, yes, you, you were... My last appointment yesterday, I'm, I'm, I said, look, I'm a Christian, and uh, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I follow him. And yesterday, I lied to you. I borrowed that money from my grandfather. And uh, anyway, I just, you know, spilled it all out. And she said, I'm going to do, uh, she said, Mr. Thomas, I'm going to do everything I can do for you. I'm going to get you that house. I said, well. It really doesn't matter to me at this point. I don't care if I get the house or not. You know, this apartment's looking better and better. You know, and I do like my neighbors. <laughs> so uh, what was I doing? I was going outside of the principles of God. I'd yielded to temptation, and it, it cost you. And I had to go back. So I realized at that time no one... You can never think that you're beyond temptation. We got to stay 
and place humility. It's those that think they're beyond it. They're the ones that get in trouble. Well, well Pastor, you, you know you were just a baby believer then. No, I wasn't. No. The reason everyone knew it, I was uh, ministering to the youth. And they heard about it because I just said, I'm just telling this. and just spilled my guts. Because uh, one thing, um, I felt like I, I needed to say it, but also I wanted to help people and, and know that we got to stay with a humble spirit. And you got to know you can yield the temptation, it doesn't matter who you are, but God wants you to overcome those places. God wants you to walk in victory. God wants you to have a good life. But many people are going around the same mountain. That breaks my heart to see Christians. A person gets saved for years and years and years. They keep going around the same mountain. The same struggles. The same temptations. Yielding to them and cannot get the victory over them. Some of them die without ever getting the victory over that. That's not what God has called us to. And what happened, their life was compressed. They weren't able to really do near what God wanted for them to do because they yielded the temptation. And then there's always there. They, they can change. You know, now it could be, Bob, I want you to go pray. Turn off the ball game. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> what? But I want you to know, God invented the DVR for me. It's not near as tough as it used to be. So I had him a couple of times say, I want you to pray right now. This game is on. Don't you know this game is on? But thank you, Lord, you didn't do it during the national championship. Whew. That would have been a struggle. <laughs> but you know, then you, you go in a time of prayer and you may not even know who it was for or what it was about. But you obeyed God and, and what happened, life came. Life was released and came forth. So we, we need to know that it's, it's the enemy that tempts us with bad things. God's the author of your faith. Satan's the author of your trials. And we won't be those that know that God's not testing us. If you believe God's testing you, He is the cause of your pain, that He is holding out on you, you'll never walk in faith. You'll never have the confidence to walk with Him that you need to have to receive the grace. He's not testing you. He's not tempting you with evil. He's not the one uh, trying to set you up for defeat. He sets you up for victory. He gives you the way of escape out of the test. That's what he does. He's the solution. He's the answer. He's not the problem. I'm glad that thrills you. So what is temptation? Temptation means to examine, prove, try, test, scrutinize, and entice. I want to give you a little fuller meaning from last week. And evil, he will not tempt you with evil, means worthless, injurious, bad, harmful, ill, noisome, and wicked. Uh, that noisome, have you ever had 
just the, the noise in your mind, the enemy just won't stop. That noise, that's, that's, the, that's the enemy attacking you. You ever had some things that made you feel worthless? That's the enemy. He's the father of lies. You have great worth, so much worth that Jesus went to the cross and died for you. He gave his life. You have great worth, worthless or harmful or ill. All these things are wicked. These are from the enemy. We need to know where they come from and who's doing it that we can walk in faith. Sin always brings death. It's not God punishing us that brings death. God's not going to get you, but your sin can get you. You can be a believer and walk in destructive life and get destroyed by the sin in your life. It can happen. But we're talking about having a fruitful, abundant, flourishing life. You've got to not yield to temptation. You've got to overcome those places. Sin is a violation of, of the way we're created. It's not God punishing you. Sin brings death because it's a violation of the way God created you. If you took your car and it needed gas and you decided you weren't going to put gas in, you're going to put sugar in, I mean, no, you're going to mess your engine up. But you can't get on the phone and call Detroit and say, look, call the manufacturer and say, look, you messed my engine up. And say, so, what did you do, sir? I put sugar in the gas tank. Have you read the operational procedures manual? No, I have not. I'm of the male species. We don't read instructions. I cannot blame them. They didn't do it. I did it. We have a manual for life. The Bible that teaches us principles that we can live life to the fullest, be fully alive. But we, we have to do things this way, those principles. But sin will bring death. Well, I have no consequences. I've been doing this for years. Nothing's going... Well, sin has not reached maturity. It hasn't grown. The end of sin is death. Something's going to die when sin becomes full grown. Something dies. His word is truth. He wants us to overcome sin. In a, uh, Luke chapter 4 verse 1, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit to the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. In those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Now this is what I was telling you last week. I was going to tell you why this... These two verses bothered me for a long time, so much. Now, I'm really uh, just seeking the Lord. What is this? It seems like a contradiction to me. Because it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And I, in my mind, I thought, well, it was, it was the devil tempting him. But the part that got me... The Spirit of God led him into the wilderness to be tempted. When I knew that in the Lord's Prayer, we call it the Lord's Prayer, in Luke eleven four, just put verse 4, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. 
And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus prayed. I know when he prayed, he prayed God's perfect will. And he was saying, pray that you not be led into temptation. When he was led by the Father, by the Spirit, into temptation. Now, I know this, that if the Bible seems to contradict itself, it's because we don't have an understanding. It's a misinterpretation there. Something is not right. And so this led me on the, on the study and, and just trying to uh, listen to the Lord what, what this was about. My, my first question here, when you look at the Lord's Prayer, you know, I've, I've taught on this, but it says that delivers from the evil one. How many would say that Jesus has delivered us from the evil one? Everybody raise your hand. <laughs> He's delivered us from the evil one. So that part of the prayer has been answered. And then in, in Matthew's version, Matthew 6, it, it, the Lord's Prayer, it says that we're forgiven as we forgive others. I mean, I've heard that. Now let me ask you this. Are you forgiven when you forgive someone else? Or are you forgiven before you forgive the other person? Everybody say before. How can you say that? Because we know that Jesus has already forgiven our sins, past, present, and future. So there was a change here. And many people say this is a old covenant prayer. I know how they get it, but I believe it's for us that it's a dual thing here, that we can worship God and thank Him that He has delivered us from uh, the evil one. I, I believe we can uh, worship Him. The reason I say it's for us too is because of Jesus called God Father. And that speaks of the new creation believer that has a relationship with God because we call Him Father. Could it be that these things are answered and God doesn't lead us into temptation now. That God doesn't test us now. In James chapter 1 verse 13 is correct that God doesn't tempt us. Well, I'm going to uh, show you this and... Uh, and it will spark other scriptures for you because I really had to try and cut this down. But you, you, you'll see it here. Let me ask you this. Should we forgive others? Yes, because it's a sin not to forgive. And sin always brings death. Now, if I've already been forgiven for my sins... But it's a sin not to forgive. Where does that death take place? And this, if you understand this, death, the wages of sin, that death takes place in your soul. Your mind, your will, emotions. And it comes out from that. In fact, you can lose your marriage, relationships, friends, whatever. It can be destroyed. Sin. So sin, the the to repent and forgive others is for the benefit of the soul. 
actually. So you see there in your notes, I repent and forgive for the benefit of my soul. Now, I'll prove it to you. How many have had someone do them wrong, but there was a space of time before you forgave them? (laughs) Well, aren't you glad that your spirit, that you were still forgiven by God and you have a relationship, and you didn't lose your salvation in between that gap? It affects your soul. I repent and I forgive because my emotions need to be cleansed from that unrighteousness. But it has nothing to do with my spirit. And God's the spirit and he looks at the spirit. So, another thing that kind of trips us is the Old Testament, God tested people. God tested people. And you can look at Genesis chapter 22 and it says that God tested Abraham. And I went there, and, you know, the test was about Isaac. But then, when I looked in the New Testament, it says that God tested Abraham. In Hebrews 11, verse 17, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son. So, the Bible even says that God tested Abraham, yet the New Testament, New Testament, James is saying that God doesn't test us. A change took place. Something had to happen. Something, what's, what's going on there? And then you find in Genesis 22 that God told Abraham, because you've done this thing and you obeyed me, now your descendants will be numbered as the stars in heaven, as the sea on the seashore, and your descendants will possess the gates of the enemy. And we're, we're called the seed of, of Abraham. So there was, a, there was a test. See, in the Old Testament, man was qualified o- over his performance, uh, by his performance. That's what the law, the law was about performance of man. But the new covenant is about the performance of Jesus, of one man. Okay, let me read on. And I have searched the, the, the New Testament. I can't find one place where a New Testament believer was tested of God. Now, I'm going to show you why. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 is from the Amplified. So it's evident that it was essential that he, may, that he be made like his brethren in every respect in order that he might become a merciful, sympathetic, and faithful high priest and the things related to God to make atonement and propitiation for the people's sins. For because he himself in his humanity has suffered in being tempted, tested, and tried, he is able immediately, say immediately, to run to the cry of assist, relieve those who are being tempted, tested, and tried and who therefore are being exposed to suffering. Then Hebrews 4, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So in Hebrews 2 there it says, He was 
tempted yet without sin, and now immediately he runs to our cry for help and brings assistance and aid. And when you look up that word, it's actually the, the word help, it's like the word rescue. He's immediately there to rescue, give you the way of escape out of that temptation. It's called grace. It's called grace. He's there. But notice he said in uh, Hebrews 4, when you, he was tempted in all points, then he says, now come boldly to the throne room of grace and receive mercy and grace. What's mercy? I said mercy has more to do with forgiveness. You've yielded to the temptation. You've blown it. There's mercy. But there's something I'd rather have than mercy, and that's grace. Empowerment, not to yield to the temptation in the first place, but to overcome it. Do you see what happened? There was a change of covenants, and now, because of the finished work of Christ, I can come to the throne room of grace even when I'm in sin and have blown it and receive mercy. And I can come before I've yielded to the temptation and receive grace, his empowerment. Grace is not an excuse to sin. It's empowerment not to sin. That's the grace of God. So what did Jesus do when he was faced with temptation? It was a real temptation. It wasn't a fake temptation. Jesus could have sinned. He had desires of the flesh that were outside of God's will. How did he defeat them? He went to his father in prayer and went to the throne of grace and he received supernatural assistance from father and overcame that situation. Now we can go to him and receive supernatural assistance and help in time of need. Hallelujah. So why was Jesus led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil? You see this in your notes. Jesus as our substitute was being tempted in our place. He took our place. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness in my place. He didn't face some second-rate demon. He faced Satan himself and defeated him. And his victory over temptation has become my victory because he was led into temptation. I'm not led into temptation. Because he went and defeated the enemy, I have his standing of victory. That's the reason I would say when we fast, we're actually executing the, the position of authority over the flesh that Jesus won for us. Through this, these three temptations, if, if that makes, makes sense. The New Testament is grace based on the performance of Christ. So his victories become my victory. Well, I feel sorry for those Old Testament people. Don't. They were saved by faith in the sacrifices. We're saved by faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And this picture took, took place, you know, in the, in the garden. Satan comes to, to Adam and Eve. Wasn't 
Eve's fault, Adam was at fault. Anyway, Satan approaches him, and what's he do? Did God say? He's playing mind games. Did God say? He has no new tricks. Did God say this? Eat of this, and you'll be like him. See, they didn't know who they were. They didn't know what they already had. And they fell for it. What did they do? They worshipped Satan to get the desire of their heart that they actually already had. New Testament, Jesus goes to Satan. He approaches and goes to him. And the temptation, it's the same setup, but this time, he knew who he was and knows who he is. And he told the enemy, he quoted back the word of God and defeated the enemy, didn't fall for his mind games, his tricks, and defeated him. He undid what the first Adam, the test that he failed, the second Adam passed. And we get a passing grade over every temptation if we'll call upon the grace of God. Hallelujah. That's good news. It's good news. So what do we do? We run to the throne room of grace and we get help. See, the battle is a battle of the soul now. Our beliefs, that mind, will, emotions. It's not, there's people fighting the devil. All I have to do is, is tell him where to go. I'm not in no battle with him. I just take authority over him. The battle is a battle of the mind to get my, to gain my, my mind, my will, emotions in line with what God said, my belief system. The only place I need to fight the devil is where Jesus didn't defeat him. What area is that? None. He defeated him everywhere. So what do I do? I labor to enter into the rest What's the rest? Well, I'm in peace and rest in my soul at the victory that Jesus won and paid for at the cross. The finished work. That's peace. So I don't have to go around fighting the devil all the time. I just got to get my mind straight. And we can come against the devil, that's fine. But you're still, you're going to have to come to the point you renew your mind and get the truth in you. I'm going to end with this, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 5. Well, the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments or imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. How do I win this battle? I gain control over my thoughts and beliefs. We understand new, that New Testament warfare, the battle of the mind. By bringing every thought, it says, to the obedience of Christ. Since Jesus conquered all of my sins. See, the question isn't, can I defeat and overcome this temptation? It's the wrong question. The question is, has Jesus conquered this sin? Yes. Then it has no power over me. Has no power over me. Well, I don't believe that, Pastor. Well, you need to believe that because that's your power over it. If you'll believe that, you will overcome it. And I'm going to give you a lot of 
other tools and uh, ammunition uh, about that. Let's, let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you that you, you haven't left us defenseless. You haven't left us without ammunition, without uh, the tools to overcome temptation. But Lord, you've given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And you're so good. We thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you, you don't judge us. You don't condemn us. You give us solutions. You give us answers. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And God, we thank you for your love for us. And we, we choose you today. We choose a difference this year. We choose to overcome in these hidden areas. To let go of that alcohol, that, that, those drug use, that pornography. To let go of that, those sinful thoughts or actions. And to even let go of those things where you prompted us by your spirit to pray or to call this person and we disobey. Well, we thank you for mercy and grace. If there's anyone today you never accepted Jesus as the Lord of your life, he's calling your name out today. He's knocking on your heart. Said, let me in. How do you do it? You surrender. You say, Lord, I surrender. I give my life to you. And he'll make you brand new on the inside. And then you come and learn of him. Maybe you prayed this before, but you realize today you've been yielding to temptation. You've been disconnected, but you're ready to get connected again. You can get in on this prayer also. For either one of these invitations, no one looking, just lift your hand and say, that's me. We're going to pray. I'm not going to ask you to come down. Just going to pray. And we're going to believe God. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. And I say, dear Lord, thank you for grace and mercy. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being so good. Thank you for the cross, taking my sin and my shame and my guilt. You're my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Fill me with your spirit. Thou be empowered to live this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.